From KUAR News in Little Rock, this is a look at Arkansas news, politics, and more. Coming up. After an emotional fight, the legislature gives final approval to a bill that separates dual recognition of Robert E. Lee and Martin Luther King Jr. Also heading to the governor is a bill greatly expanding where concealed handguns can be carried. With the help of two Arkansas congressmen, a Republican proposal to repeal and replace Obamacare advances. And we'll have the latest on eight executions scheduled over a 10-day period next month. For the week ending Friday, March 17th, this is KUAR's Week in Review podcast. I'm Michael Heplin. And I'm Chris Hickey. That's just ahead. Well, the week ended with some final drama in the Arkansas legislature. In mid-afternoon Friday, the House took up a proposal to separate the dual observance of Confederate General Robert E. Lee and slain civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. on the same day. KUAR's Jacob Kaufman was uh, at the Capitol covering this for us, but not able to join us here. But, uh, Chris, this uh, really was uh, emotional. It was was, uh, actually something to watch. Yeah, it I mean I've watched quite a few debates in the House and the Senate and this is some of the most passioned uh debate I've seen on either side. And it you know it came after kind of a marathon session of the Arkansas House. They convened at 10 in the morning and uh were considering legislation all the way up, you know, until 4 p.m. on Friday and this uh, bill came up uh kind of around what 3:30 or so. Um, and the, it was definitely the one we were all waiting for. Of course, um, ever, ever since 1985, Arkansas has recognized uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert E. Lee, the Confederate general, on the same day, the third Monday in January. Of course, the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday is a federal holiday. It's been celebrated around the country since 1983. It was enacted uh, into law by Congress and signed by Governor President Ronald Reagan at that time. Um, But, you know, Arkansas is, uh, you know, one of three states uh, that celebrates this day on the the same, or these two figures on the same day. You know, Arkansas is a former Confederate state, of course, and um, in a way it's it's been a kind of a a struggle to, to to reconcile these two figures on the same day for many people. And uh, ever since the uh, session began, this legislative session, there have been calls or expectations for a bill that to separate these two figures. Yeah. Um, and the governor uh, really went out to push this bill. It was yeah. unusual. He came out with this uh, first, was introduced in committee, and spoke uh, in favor of ending this practice. And the governor hasn't really done that before on any other bill, but feels this is important for Arkansas's image. Yeah, and he did that in both chambers, testified in committee in the Senate um, after it was first proposed. He actually held a press conference the day after the bill was filed. It's um, sponsored by Republicans, two white Republican lawmakers, uh, Grant Hodges of Northwest Arkansas, Rogers area, and uh, David Wallace, who's the primary sponsor. He's a senator out of Leechville, Arkansas. But yeah, like you said, the governor testified in committees in the House and the Senate. A uh, very unusual move. It's uh, one of his priorities. He released a statement uh, late Friday 
saying it had been one of his priorities, and he was very uh, proud of the accomplishment. Um, let's go to some of the House debate on this. Uh, let's play a cut here from Grant Hodges. As we said, he's the uh, House sponsor of this legislation. I think this bill is an opportunity for us. It's an opportunity to correct a mistake. Whatever reason these holidays were combined in 1985, it was a mistake, and it's one that we can rectify today with this vote. It's an opportunity to make sure that our students, that our young people here in Arkansas are learning history. We'll have oversight to ensure the history of both General Lee and the Civil War, as well as Dr. King and the Civil Rights Movement are taught in our classrooms from now on. And it's an opportunity to show the citizens of our state and the whole country that we are capable of coming together, not out of political correctness or any other silly reason, but out of respect and out of mutual understanding. Yeah, and he's noting there there's this educational component. Yeah, there are provisions of the bill that uh, require the state to at least advance or develop some curriculum uh, around the Civil War, the history of the Civil War, as well as the Civil Rights Movement and MLK. And, um, you know, this bill uh, was presented in the House and Senate Education Committees, uh, primarily, I guess, for this purpose, um, to acknowledge this um, this aspect of the bill that requires this education. Um, just to note, it does uh, keep, of course, the MLK holiday as the third Monday in January. Um, it removes uh, Lee, but it allows the governor to uh, officially proclaim the second Saturday in October as a state memorial day, which is not the same as a state holiday. Now, uh, as you mentioned, and as we mentioned, there's an impassioned debate. Uh, This bill passed uh, 66 to 11. Uh, Several, many members didn't vote. Um, Let's play uh, one member of the House, uh, State Representative Jana De La Rosa Rogers. She's a Republican. She spoke against this bill. Before, when she was speaking, she said when this came up, this issue came up uh, in 2015, she didn't really care about it. But this year, she really did care. We are taking Robert E. Lee, and we are putting him in the basement, and we are acting like we are embarrassed that he ever existed. That's what we're doing. It's no different than if we went out and we took that statue to the Confederate soldiers and put it down in the basement and said, nobody's going to look at it again. Yes, technically we still have it, but nobody's going to look at it anymore because we are embarrassed of our heritage. That's what we're doing with this. And I understand that there are those that want separation, and I understand that. I do. But there is no reason it has to be done like this. Robert E. Lee is not going to have his own state holiday anymore. He's going to be relegated to a memorial day. He is going to be relegated to a list this long of days that nobody in Arkansas knows anything about. Do you want to know what happened on the same day as Robert E. Lee's memorial day in 2016? Crosswalk safety day. (laughs) I I shouldn't laugh, but... uh, Yeah, I guess her larger point there is uh, she feels that this this figure, uh, Robert E. Lee, who's you know, still revered by many Southerners um, in, a, in a way, uh, is being denigrated. Uh, and she didn't like that, of course. Um, there's several members uh, spoke in favor of the bill. Uh, Republican Charlie Collins of Northwest Arkansas spoke in favor of it. The chair of the Legislative Black Caucus, uh, Representative Vivian Flowers, uh, spoke in favor of it, um, just 
kind of remarking on King's legacy and how that it's you know, shaped uh, peaceful efforts around the world. Um, but we'll, let's play here a cut from uh, state representative uh, Democrat from Fort Smith, George McGill. You know, this, uh, I don't really hear much from George McGill often on the House floor or in committees. He, he's, he doesn't uh, speak uh, very often on the floor, but he, he gave a, a kind of a lengthy speech in favor of this bill. And um, it, I found it unique for um, the, the, the way in which he incorporated his own personal history and the kind of what he saw as the, the, the like moving forward in terms of educating the youth and um, is, is really a moving speech in a lot of ways. Um, he mentioned how his great great grandfather fought in the Civil War. You know, George McGill is black, and so I guess we would uh, presume that his great great grandfather was um, forced to fight. You know, in the Civil War, um, and he later settled in uh, along the Arkansas River after he was freed. Um, but you know, McGill mentioned that he didn't really know anything about his grandfather's story, and yet we, you know, we, you know, we hear a lot about you know the, the Confederate efforts or the you know the the Confederate soldiers. But uh, his grandfather, great great grandfather's story, is one that we don't hear about. Uh, so let let's play a little bit of, of McGill's uh, speech right here. What we will have done is created a framework of education so our children will know the truth about who we are. They'll know the pain and suffering of war. They'll know the pain and suffering of being mistreated and told like I was told when I first went to the University of Arkansas, you cannot live in this dormitory because of the color of your skin. I don't tell my grandson that story. Too painful for me. I don't carry that luggage around. When I left the University of Arkansas, me and some of my friends said I'll never set foot on that campus again, the way we were treated. We got rid of that luggage. One of my favorite places to go. One of my favorite places to go. Couldn't carry that hatred and that pain with me forever. Let's set that aside. Let's do something for our children. Let's do something for the state of Arkansas by creating some space where they can take time to talk about Robert E. Lee and what he did that day when he painfully surrendered and reached his hand across and said enough is enough. Let's do that for our children. We shouldn't confuse them. Let's let the educators educate, and we stand for something good. So there you have it. Um, you know, it passed out of the House. Uh, it's already passed the Senate. It heads to the governor's desk. He says he'll sign it on Monday. Yeah, uh, and worth noting, too, uh, in previous efforts to separate these holidays, you've had uh, groups come out, uh, the uh, Sons of the Confederacy. Is that the name? So, Sons of Confederate Veterans, I think. Yes, uh, you know, that have— shown up in uh, force uh, at meetings, and uh, this time they weren't really there. Jacob said that uh, they didn't have a, uh, a presence yeah, there. Yeah, maybe one or two members 
But really, uh, you know, as soon as this legislation was proposed or filed, really, you know, the day after Governor the Governor Hutchinson uh, held a press conference in support of it, and the day after that, it was presented in committee. And Hutchinson, of course, as we said, uh, you know, testified in favor of it. It's it's really a, a bill that was was hurried along, I think, and and that maybe prevented, or at least didn't prevent necessarily, but. Um, you know, the sons of Confederate veterans uh, didn't show out in force because maybe they, they couldn't catch up, you know, get down to, to Little Rock and, and speak against it. So, yeah, this legislation was moved rather quickly and um, soon to become law. Yeah. And one final point, too. Uh, and you mentioned uh, that uh, McGill uh, was, uh, uh, you know, said descendant of someone who fought in the Civil War. And uh, so, too, was the... Uh, Bill sponsor in the House, right. uh, Hodges. Uh, so very interesting dynamics as this came together. Yeah, and I think um, when uh, Hutchinson was testifying in the Senate committee, uh, he also mentioned that he had, you know, some ancestors who, who fought in the Civil War. So, you know, it's obviously, you know, when you talk about these bills, we kind of think of them in terms of uh, symbolism. But, you know, there's really, you know, deep historical roots here on either side and, you know, for both supporters and, and opponents. But it's it's, a, it's certainly, you know, a historical moment. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah. One other item uh, sent to the governor, finalized in the legislature this week, greatly expands where people can uh, carry uh, firearms. People with uh, concealed carry permits can now not only uh, bring them onto uh, college campuses, as was originally the intent of the original bill, but later amended, and now uh, you can bring them into uh, government buildings, the state capitol, bars and restaurants, unless they uh, explicitly have signs saying that you can't. Uh, Haven't heard anything uh, from the governor whether or not he's going to uh, sign this, or he might just let it after, I think it's five days, it automatically becomes law without his signature. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, it, it was passed on uh, Wednesday, I think, and, you know, here we are Friday and hasn't been signed yet. Um, the governor's spokesman, J.R. Davis, has said that the governor does intend to sign it. And, you know, in, in fact, he, he helped shape it in a way. Um, you know, this bill, what became this expanded concealed carry bill, kind of developed after, you know, there was some debate over uh, the original bill, which limited uh, concealed carry privileges to faculty and staff on public university campuses in Arkansas. And, um, you know, some training requirements were added in the Senate, and then those were pared back a little bit. And we have this expanded bill, as you mentioned, uh, allowing people to, uh, you know, people with concealed carry licenses uh, to get eight hours extra training and um, expand their privileges into carrying into the state capitol, some bars that allow it, you know, other public buildings. But yeah, this, uh, you know, the Hutchinson and um, his nephew, the Senate Majority Leader Jim Hendren, and the bill sponsor, Representative Charlie Collins of Fayetteville, um, you know, all got together at one point, you know, while it was being um, debated in the Senate or, you know, between debates, I guess, um, and kind of shaped this language um, yeah. of the bill. Well, how about if we play one cut here? This is uh, Charlie Collins when it was uh, first taken up earlier in the week on Tuesday in the House Judiciary Committee. There are murders on an about a monthly basis 
on school grounds throughout our country. And periodically, there are dozens of innocent people murdered while we look on. And we have not made progress in a broad way to add new ways of deterring these crazy killers from murdering people. You also had uh, uh, some opponents uh, to this. Uh, in particular, uh, this was uh, uh, one woman named uh, Austin Bailey who uh, spoke. We don't believe that untrained college students or professors should or are able to take on the role of law enforcement. Further, this bill will make it difficult for law enforcement to determine who is the good guy with the gun and who is the bad guy with the gun. Um, this proposal will make campuses less safe, not more safe, and it will make a lot of places less safe. And it was uh, passed there in the committee uh, on a voice vote, and then you monitored uh, the debate, Chris, on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, and I was there, um, and it passed out of the House easily uh, with 71 votes in favor. Uh, similar to the, the margin, I should say the House actually did pass the bill all, you know, before Wednesday. They passed it early in February, but as I mentioned, it was amended in the Senate, and the House needed to concur in those amendments, and that was what the vote was about. Um, and, uh, you know, Austin Bailey, who you played, you know, the uh, Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense, I think is the group, yeah. uh, kind of a grassroots, you know, they, they've they been with their uh, red T-shirts in the Capitol, kind of as a, f- a fixture, several of them. Um, and they've also been all over social media protesting, you know, and right now they're they're constantly tweeting at the governor to to veto the bill and um i think um i I don't know how successful their efforts will be or if at all um like we said the um you know the governor's spokesman at least says um you know governor plans to sign it all that hasn't happened yet uh in the house though you know there it is it had already been debated of course and the kind of those same arguments that you you just heard were, were mentioned but I'll play you a cut here of um, Representative John Walker, Democrat of Little Rock, who, um, you know, was one of a couple of people, along with Kim Hendren, a Republican out of uh, Northwest Arkansas, to speak against the bill. Kim Hendren's brother-in-law, the governor, also mentioned a family tie here. But um, Walker, uh, you know, his point, he kind of said in jest that, uh, you know, this uh, this bill and this legislation will lead to escalated conflicts in the Capitol, which are normally pretty civil disagreements, and that lawmakers will start shooting each other when they get in <laughs> fights. But, um, you know, he also had a, a more serious point, which is, um, you know, what the cut I'll play you here uh, is all about, um, kind of describing what he felt were the underlying motives behind uh, legislation like this. There's just too much fear, and as much fear as we have, then as little reconciliation and, and, and progress as a civilized society we can have. There are going to be guns, people are going to be killed, and uh, the question is, how do we prevent that from happening? The Sandy Hooks and the chambers of this body are not the biggest issues. It's what ha- what's happening to people who don't have our opportunities and who don't have our privileges and who are otherwise uh, trying to do harm to our institutions that need to be addressed. So you kind of hear there that he's, he's saying that, you know, legislatures and uh, government bodies should address more of the violence that occurs on the everyday level in impoverished communities around the country. Yeah. And, and I, I laughed there, you know, uh, when, you know, that lawmakers may shoot one another, but 
and maybe this is a little bit of editorializing, but I mean, <laughs> if you have more guns when people get into arguments, you probably will have more instances where people in the heat of anger will pull a weapon. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we'll we'll see. I mean, I was reading this article just yesterday about the Fox News host Sean Hannity um, having once pulled a gun on uh, one of his panelists, Swan Williams. Um, and this was uh, <laughs> an article that came out this week. Uh, in both cases, uh, you know, the, both men uh, felt that, you know, they didn't feel any, you know, harm or physical harm was going to come out of it. It was just more of a a, a gesture of, uh, I don't know, uh, some, some he, he was trying to make a point, but, um, you know, there, I mean, I would say, I would foresee some, some instances like that, you know? Yeah. Well, on to, uh, Washington where the, uh, uh, Republican plan to, uh, repeal and replace Obamacare is advancing. Uh, and, uh, two Arkansans who serve on the house budget committee on Thursday, uh, voted to go along with the, the proposal. And uh, we'll play cuts here from uh, both of them. First, uh, uh, we had uh, Representative Steve Womack of Arkansas's 3rd District. He talked the day before uh, that hearing uh, with Roby Brock, with our partners at Talk Business and Politics, about why he is uh, supporting the plan. I'm a lean yes on, on the bill as it currently stands, it's not ideal. There are some flaws in the legislation, uh, but I'm a big believer that when we united the government in the last election, then it was placed upon us the need to govern, and we need to govern. And we all ran on the promise that we were going to do something about the failed health care law we now know as Obamacare. And it's incumbent upon Republicans, both in the House and the Senate, with a promise from the White House to sign it, that we do something. Now, as I said, this, this whole plan may not be perfect. There are some things that I think should be changed in it. Notably, um, and one of my chief concerns is what happens on the top income earners, that they get more of a break than the low income, particularly the low income senior, on a on a low uh, uh, on, a, on not necessarily a fixed income but a low income, and so I think there's we we need to find the equilibrium somewhere there in how we're taking care of or how we help some of the low income people, particularly low income seniors. And of course, Arkansas has uh, you know we're one of the poorest states in the country, so a lot more people would be affected by this. Uh, but you had the Congressional Budget Office that uh, released a report suggesting 14 million Americans would lose coverage in the first year uh, if this uh, plan is implemented. And Womack uh, questioned uh, how the uh, Congressional Budget Office came to that conclusion. He said some of that might be people simply opting uh, not to buy health insurance. Yeah, and it's interesting to note, you know, um, even though Womack says he does support the legislation. You know, you can hear his reservations about the bill. And those reservations kind of reverberate throughout the GOP uh, in Congress. You know, I, I believe on that committee, um, uh, according to reports I heard, uh, 
three Republicans voted uh-huh. against uh, you know advancing the legislation. And our own uh, Republican senator, junior senator Tom Cotton, as we've mentioned in previous podcasts, has been kind of an outspoken critic of late about this legislation, saying it won't be able to pass the Senate. Um, and, you know, a lot of changes need to be made and it's being rushed. Um, and that's a, a comment you hear by a lot of Republicans um, and most Democrats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, then from that uh, uh, meeting, here's uh, one cut from uh, 4th District Congressman Bruce Westerman. Uh, he said this would uh, address some systemic problems, but he also uh, had some suggestions for uh, changes that could be made. The tax credit provision in the current bill has created confusion, and I believe the bill can be amended to simplify the provision, create parity, and help Americans purchase more affordable health care. When Americans purchase health care through group plans, we get a tax deduction because we purchase our plan with pre-tax dollars. Individuals do not get the same treatment. They do not get to purchase with pre-tax dollars. The bill currently provides an age-weighted tax credit, which is a direct refund instead of a deduction. Lower income people need the the credit because a deduction does not help them. So uh, that uh, passed and uh, backers of the bill are uh, expected to bring this to the full U.S. House uh, next week. Well, uh, we had uh, some new developments in the uh, plans for uh, Arkansas to carry out the executions of eight inmates. On Monday, the state announced that it uh, had indeed acquired a supply of one of the three drugs needed, and uh, Governor Hutchinson had been saying from the time when he first announced that these uh, executions uh, had been scheduled that he had complete confidence that the Department of Correction would be able to uh, uh, get this drug. This is the uh, potassium chloride. Uh, its supply that the state had apparently had uh, expired in January, so uh, now uh, the governor uh, said he, uh, well, we'll play the cut here, I guess, first. Uh, Jacob Kaufman uh, caught up with the governor uh, in the hallway at the Capitol and asked uh, his feelings about being in the position of actually scheduling uh, these executions. The challenge that I have to uh, carry out my responsibility is minimal compared to the emotional struggle and, and uh, trauma that uh, the victims' families have endured. And so uh, it's, you know, you put it in perspective, uh, this is simply a responsibility that I have. But we uh, do have, uh, oh, there's a hearing that's going to be coming up in the uh, House Judiciary Committee. Uh, We reported uh, here last week, or was it the week before that, that there is uh, one bill, it's not expected to go anywhere, but Representative Vivian Flowers uh, asking to, uh, for the state to end uh, executions. And uh, that's uh, going to be happening on uh, Tuesday. And I know the group uh, Arkansas Coalition to Abolish the Death Penalty uh, sent out a press release and is asking uh, people who are against the death penalty to come out and have a presence at this hearing. Uh, but I spoke with the uh, attorney, Jeff Rosenswag. He represents several of the uh, inmates who are uh, set to die and uh, talked about kind of what his next move is at this point. And, and I should note, too, here he's on a rather uh, 
not very clear uh, cell phone, so apologize for the audio, but uh, you can uh, hopefully make this out. We have uh, an issue already pending in front of Judge Wendell Griffin in Blasky Circuit Court, uh, the part of the case that uh, could not have been decided before because for procedural reasons. So that's still on Judge Griffin's docket, uh, and uh, we have amended that to add some additional information that was not available before. So that's in front of Judge Griffin uh, now. Any idea when you'll uh, hear something back on that? Well, you know, we're, uh, the state has not yet responded to it, uh, and uh, so we expect the state to respond very soon, uh, and then uh, we'll and uh, what are your concerns right now about uh, the drugs themselves that the... Uh, well, well, we have the same concerns we've always had, uh, which, uh, which are several. Uh, one is we don't know where they're getting the drugs. We don't know if it's uh, a reputable supplier or not. Uh, it did come out at the uh, one of the earlier hearings that the entity that sold the drugs to uh, Arkansas uh, had done so in violation of its contract uh, with the manufacturer, whoever that manufacturer uh, might be. Well, that obviously doesn't bode well for uh, integrity and honesty and quality, etc. cetera. Uh, and in addition, of course, there's the, uh, the severe concerns we have about the use of the there, there are three drugs in the so-called protocol. Uh, drugs number two and three uh, would cause torture in violation of the Eighth Amendment, the United States Constitution, as well as the equivalent provisions of the Arkansas Constitution, unless uh, the uh, inmate is rendered unconscious by uh, the first drug. Well, the problem with using Dazolam first drug is uh, that has a significant tendency not to work and not to render someone unconscious, certainly not to render someone unconscious for the amount of time you need to have for uh, the second and third drugs to work. Uh, so we, we believe that they're uh, likely headed, uh, it's called a botched execution. Uh, there have been other states that have had botched executions. Uh, using the same uh, protocol with Dazzle as the uh, first drug. Uh, so uh, those those basically are our concerns. Yeah, the botched executions, he's referring to ones that have been dragged out and sometimes have taken 40 minutes to, I think, uh, uh, even closer to two hours, some uh, yeah. states. Yeah, there there's a case in Oklahoma and Arizona and Ohio in which some inmates, um, you know, were put under by midazolam, which is a sedative, and um, you know, it, it seemed to exhibit a tremendous amount of pain uh, when the other um, drugs were administered, suggesting that midazolam is not as effective as uh, one may think. And uh, yeah, like uh, Rosenzweig said, that would be the first drug administered by the state of Arkansas. Uh, when and if these uh, eight inmates uh, will be put under. Yep. Uh, so we're continuing to follow that, and we'll have uh, more on that in the uh, weeks ahead. 
Well, uh, I guess we can uh, wrap up on uh, one exciting note. Uh, <laughs> University of Arkansas men's basketball team won its uh, first game in the NCAA tournament. This was uh, round one. And the final 10 minutes turned out to be hog heaven for Mike Anderson. The Razorbacks are advancing. Yeah, that the uh, call as broadcast by uh, TNT. Uh, the Razorbacks and uh, Coach Mike Anderson uh, beating the Seton Hall Pirates by a score of 77 to uh, 71. Yep, and uh, they're scheduled next to play the University of North Carolina, which is a number four seed. They also won their game today against the number 16 seed, Texas Southern University. Of course, UNC, um, you know, is probably has a has kind of a, a reputation as as being a very big basketball powerhouse, uh, being over there in North Carolina next to Duke. Um, so, you know. The Razorbacks will definitely have a challenge ahead of them. I think the game is on Sunday. Uh, I think it's being held in Memphis. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not. I don't think the time has been announced yet. Mm. But um, you know, last year we were talking about the Little Rock Trojans at this time, uh-huh. uh, men's basketball team uh, having almost a Cinderella story, advancing a couple of rounds, even though they were ranked, you know, pretty far back in in terms of the wider pack. But uh, Unfortunately, the Trojans uh, didn't make it this year. Uh, the Lady Trojans, though, had a pretty good year, but I don't know if they're in the NCAA tournament or not. Yeah, well, we'll see how they do. Uh, I guess with that, we'll wrap up the podcast. I'm Michael Hiplin. I'm Chris Hickey. Thanks a lot for listening. If you're not already a subscriber, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Our theme song is by our own Chris Hickey. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. KUAR is a listener-supported editorially independent service of the University of Arkansas at Little Rock.